Good morning, my name's Scott. I'm the Family Discipleship Worker at First Port of Online. Uh, it's a great privilege to be able to open up God's Word together, isn't it? And learn from Him. Um, yeah, what a joy. As we come to learn from God's Word, uh, let's go to Him and ask for His help. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you give us your Word, that you help us understand your Word through your Spirit, and that you help us live your Word too. Father, would you give us humble hearts? To know that we need to learn and we need to change. Lord, would you give us ears that are willing to hear the wonders of your gospel? Would you give us lives that glorify you in all that we do? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you were to be asked for one characteristic you would like to have in a friend, I'm sure faithfulness would be right up there, wouldn't it? Um, that's something we all want in a friend. We could all do with a faithful friend. Someone who will stick by us and help us. Who won't abandon ship when things get tough or when mistakes are made, even repeatedly. Someone who will love us and love us always despite our flaws. Someone who will be our friend at all times, not just when it suits them. Now, a faithful friend isn't a yes man. That's not what we need in a friend. You know, someone who sees our sin and says, go for it, good work. Someone who just accepts or even loves our poor behaviour. No, it's not someone who accepts our sin and poor behaviour. It's someone who accepts us and loves us despite it and tries to help us. We would all want that in a friend, or at least we all should want that in a friend. Faithfulness is the same thing we would long for in a spouse. Uh, someone when they take those vows of marriage in sickness or health, um, better, worse, richer, poorer. Someone who takes those vows means them and actually lives by them. Someone who isn't going to bail out when looks fade or tempers flare or when the bank balance isn't well as balanced as it could be. We all want someone who will stick by us in good times and bad. When it's easy, sure, but especially when it's not. And while faithfulness is something that we desire in others, sometimes we aren't so faithful ourselves. And part of that's down to just the, the fact that we are living in an increasingly unfaithful world. Look at society and how unforgiving it is when someone in the public gaze goes against the status quo or, or says something out of line. And cancel culture pounces, screaming, reject everything they say because of that one mishap or a mere difference in opinion. You look at our world, hopefully not our church, but at the world, and our leaders are often unfaithful people. You know, it's always said about politicians that they'll say one thing and then do another. They'll get elected and then they can do what they like. And how many world leaders, people in power, whether in government or business, are faithful in their private lives. What you've got to do is look at both leaders, either side of the Atlantic, UK and US, and you can see personal unfaithfulness in their private lives in many ways clear as day. And that's reflective of a society where marriage breakdown is increasing and there even exist websites to facilitate people having extramarital affairs. But, but none of this should surprise us. None of this should surprise us because Galatians in the fruit of the Spirit teaches us that 
Faithfulness is not a characteristic of the world, so we shouldn't expect it to be. Rather, faithfulness is an aspect of God's character. And so as Christians, faithfulness should mark us, God's people, out from the world. Something that makes us distinctly different from what Jesus describes as a wicked and adulterous generation. Or if you like, an unfaithful world. Something we see all around us. Faithfulness doesn't say one thing and then do another. Faithfulness keeps its word. Faithfulness doesn't go hot and then cold. It stays completely consistent and true. Faithfulness doesn't turn its back when the going gets tough, but it weathers the storm and comes out stronger on the other side. And we can say that of faithfulness because God is faithful. God is a standard of faithfulness. God is faithful. And God's faithfulness is primarily directed, surprisingly almost, towards himself. God is completely faithful to his own character, to who he is. His faithfulness is directed to himself. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not man that he should lie, or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? See, God is faithful to himself. He's unable to go against himself. He's unable to change his mind or revoke his promises. God's unable to act in any way that's contrary to his character, to who he is. In other words, God is eternally consistent. He's completely trustworthy. He's wholly reliable. His faithfulness relies on nothing but himself. As 2 Timothy 2.13 puts it, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. God's not like us. He doesn't have a list of excuses lined up in his head in case he messes up. He can't mess up. He can't be unfaithful to himself. He can't deny himself. James 1.17 tells us that when it comes to God, there is no variation. There is no change. There are zero surprises when it comes to God in the sense that he might change his mind or vary his taste or differ with his own opinion. It's guaranteed that he won't. And because God is completely consistent in character, because he is the standard of faithfulness, he is completely faithful, loyal and true to his people. Not just when it suits him, and not just when his people deserve it, (laughs) they won't ever, but he is always faithful. In Exodus uh, 34 verse 6, God passes before Moses, and he describes himself. It says this, the Lord passed before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is faithful to himself and so by extension to his people. So when God makes a promise to us, it's not dependent on whether or not he'll still feel like keeping that promise later. He will. If God says something, we can rest in knowing that it's true. And you don't need to look any further than God's plan of redemption for his people to see this. 
God said he would save his people. In Isaiah 53, God said he would send one who would bear our griefs, carry our sorrows, be smitten, afflicted, pierced and crushed in order that those who would believe and trust in God would be healed and forgiven and have peace. God said that would happen. And it did. It did as Jesus who was completely faithful to God and completely faithful to those around us who never sinned, who was always perfect, as he died on the cross for you and me, as he was pierced and crushed to take our punishment that we deserve, to forgive our sins and give us life, and not just a new life, but a life rooted in his perfection. God showed on the cross that he's completely faithful. And he tells us that when we sin, He's able to forgive us and when we stray his grace will keep us and when we doubt he can impart his peace to us. God is continually faithful at all times in every single circumstance towards his people. That's us if we believe in Jesus Christ. God is faithful to us. If you don't know the faithfulness of God today, well know this, it's available to you right now in this very instant. A God who will never leave you, like others would. A God who could never forsake you or turn his back on you. He is yours if you turn from your sin and you go to him in faith, believing that he'll save you. He will and he'll keep you in his hands forever. And if you know God's faithfulness today, well, how should we respond? Well, two ways. We should be faithful to God and we should be faithful to others. We should be faithful to God and we should be faithful to others. In Exodus 34, when God proclaimed himself to be abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, Moses bowed down and worshipped. And that should be our response too when we realise that God's eternal, unwavering and glorious faithfulness is directed at us. We should worship we should praise, we should direct our lives not towards ourselves anymore, our worldly little things, but to God. God should be the focus of our lives, not an afterthought, not a, a Sunday afternoon or Sunday activity that we do, but God should be the focal point of our lives because of his faithfulness towards us. Faithfulness that never grows weary. We should devote our lives to God. And this is where Ephesians 4, the passage that Norman read for us earlier, it's so helpful. Ephesians 22 to 24 tells us to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, we don't live lives that are unfaithful, or worse, faithful to the world to whom you used to belong. But now, because of Jesus, live the life that Jesus has given you. A life that's faithful to God. Paul tells us we, we owe nothing to the world. All the world does and worldly living does is corrupt and ruin and deceive. So no longer live like you owe it something. It hasn't shown faithfulness to you, but God has. God has made known his faithfulness to you. He's given you new life, new identity, Christ's identity. So make your life one that is faithful to your God. 
and through to who he has made you to be, his child. And then in verses 25 to 31 of Ephesians 4, you see the comparison between living unfaithfully to those around us and faithful living unto God and so unto others. Look down at your Bibles now and see that in Ephesians 4, verse 25. What is unfaithful? Well, falsehood, lies, deceit. Don't be unfaithful, but be faithful. And what's that look like? Well, speaking truth lovingly and loving enough to speak truth. Verse 26, don't sin in your anger. See, faithfulness requires reconciliation and forgiveness and unity. Verse 28, don't be unfaithful with how you live. Don't steal, but be faithful, work. Work hard as you would work for Jesus. Verse 29, don't speak ill of others. That's unfaithful. Don't let your mouth run off before your brain can catch up. But be faithful. Edify. Faithfulness edifies. It builds up. It encourages. It loves. Then verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Those things belong to your former unfaithful life. But rather be faithful, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. In other words, as you've been treated faithfully, faithfully treat others. I think it's really important for us to see that there's no middle ground there. Paul, the writer of the letter to Ephesians, doesn't just say, don't tell lies, don't steal, don't be rude, and don't be bitter. Full stop. He makes it clear that faithfulness is the opposite of those things, not just the absence. See, it's not faithful to know the right stuff and just to not do the wrong things. In fact, Jesus makes that clear in Matthew 23, 23, when he's rebuking the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weirder matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In other words, the Pharisees ought to repent because they think they've done the apparent right thing towards God in their view, but they haven't treated others well. And Jesus actually says treating others well is more important than tithing. It's more important than giving your money. Now he says, give your stuff, but never neglect to treat others well. Faithfulness requires outward living to those around us, treating our neighbours in the way Jesus would treat them, because we have experienced the life-changing faithfulness of God himself. What's that mean for us? Well, faithfulness gets its hands and clothes dirty in order to serve those who will reject us. Look at Jesus. Faithfulness gets on its knees and prays and pleads and begs for the salvation of souls. Those we love and cherish and those who, if we're honest, would be happy if they stayed out of our little club. Faithfulness follows through on its promises. It keeps its word, even when it's inconvenient or difficult or costly. 
Faithfulness looks after its own and looks after outsiders without sacrificing the well-being of others. Faithfulness tells the truth, saturated in love, and loves to tell the truth, even when it knows that truth will fall on deaf ears or even be met with a frosty response. Faithfulness disciplines its kids and disciples its kids, even if that will make it the least liked person in the house for a while. Faithfulness builds up and edifies and speaks no evil of those who want to tear it down. Now, I'm not one for mission statements. I think they're far too limited and all-encompassing at the same time. But at first Porter Downs, Ash Edenderry, we claim in our mission statement to have a passion for Christ and compassion for people. And those are great things to do. But what does it mean to be faithful to that? Because if we say that, and we have that outside of our church building or on our website, if we say it, we ought to be true to it. So what's it mean to be faithful as we faithfully live to God and others? Well, it means Jesus takes the center stage. Jesus above all else, the risen Jesus who died and bled for you and me, who bought us back, who gives us life, who promises us a future. We exist for him. The church is his, it's not actually ours. He is honoured and lifted high, Jesus. But it means a whole lot as well for how we make decisions and treat one another as well as the world. Faithfulness for Eden Derry, especially thinking about this new church building and looking to the future, it means that we look to the next generation, our kids, our grandkids, those who haven't been born, young people who aren't yet in our church, who don't yet know Jesus but one day will, means we look to the next generation when we make decisions. What will serve them best to honour Jesus as the world changes in years to come? How can we look to their needs above our own? How can we serve them above ourselves? And part of that is praying for them and helping them to, uh, to learn about Jesus and love Jesus. If, if we promise to pray for them and help them to bring them up in the Lord as we do every baptism, do we do that? Or are we faithful to that promise? Philip McKelvey, my old minister in Tatarhan, he once said, and it stuck with me because it's that truth that you don't want to hear sometimes. He said that every single one of us at church should know the names of every single one of our children because we should be praying for them. If we're praying for our kids, we should know their names. That's our duty if we're to be faithful. Faithfulness for Eden Dairy also means that we respect and we honour and we cherish the older generations in our church who have fought the good fight and are finishing well. We never sweep them aside. We listen and we honour and we love. Faithfulness for Eden Dairy means we disagree well. You know, we're allowed to hit other people's ideas. <laughs> sometimes other people have bad ideas. Sometimes I have bad ideas. But we can never, never hate other people. And the mantra, I have to love them, I don't have to like them. Well, it doesn't belong in the family of Jesus. 
Faithfulness for Eden Dairy means that we continue to reach out to those around us who don't yet know and love our faithful Father who has given us new life to live to the full. We continue to reach out to those who don't care, to those who are poor, even to those who are rich and think they have it all. To those who are foreign nationals and maybe are lonely or feeling lost. Those who've been hurt by religion, maybe even hurt by us and our poor show of religion at times. Those who have disabilities, those who are Roman Catholics, those who don't vote in the same way that we do and never will. Faithfulness means that we continue to reach out to them as Jesus did to us. As for what that looks like, I don't have the answers. I don't claim to. But we've got to be willing to pray and to think and to try and act as we rely on the one who does have the answers. The one whose faithfulness abounds. The one who never wavers our doubts. The one whose promises are sure. Whose love is steadfast. Whose grace is endless. In order to be faithful, we need our faithful goal. Every step of the way. So let's ask him for help. Let's pray. Father, you are faithful. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you cannot deny yourself and all that means for us and our salvation, our position in your family, our eternity that we'll spend with you. Father, we are so sorry that so often we are unfaithful to you and to others. We so often don't mean what we say. Even when we do good actions, Lord, sometimes we do them begrudgingly. Father, would you help us to be faithful to you? Would you help us to live lives that are faithful to those around us, those we love and those that we struggle to? Those we know and those we're yet to meet. Lord, would you help us to live faithful lives that point others not to ourselves and our greatness, but to your great abounding faithfulness to your people. We pray this in Jesus' name.